First off, I don't know why you'd want to go hiking on a glacier, but that's a whole nother sermon. But in an attempt to move along faster, Ben took what he thought was a shortcut. And like most good shortcuts, 30 minutes later, he was trapped in a cul-de-sac of rock atop this glacier, looking down several hundred feet of a sheer slope of ice. Wasn't quite the shortcut he thought it was going to be. He says it was nearly noon and the the warm sun had the glacier kind of glistening with slippery ice. Now, the good news is he was only about 10 feet from safety and the rock part of his climb that he needed to be. The bad news is that one slip and he wouldn't stop sliding until the bottom of the valley floor some 50 miles below him. It took about an hour for his friends to find him. He was standing there waiting and waiting And they finally found him, and they were up on top of the rock that he needed to be on. And one of them leaned out, used his ice axe to kind of chip away two little footsteps in the glacier. And his friend said to him, Ben, you must step out from where you are and put your foot where the first foothold is. As soon as your foot touches that step, swing out your other foot without a moment's hesitation and land it on the next step. And when you do that, there's a lot to remember. And when you do that, First foot, second foot, and at the same time, reach out your arm. And when you do that, I will take your hand and pull you to safety. That's a tough place to be in. In order to get through through that whole thing safely, Ben had to be willing to follow his buddy's instructions. He had to trust that his friend would do what he said he would do, that he would actually grab him and, and not miss. But I think the hardest thing that Ben had to do that day was just wait. Waiting on his friends, feeling all alone and wondering if they were going to find him. An hour seems like eternity in that type of situation. As I read through that story about Ben, I was thinking about Abram and Abraham, who were the same person, uh, and he had to do the same thing. Abram had to be willing to follow God. That's how the story begins with him. And then he had to trust God. But he also had times in his life where he had to wait on God. Then I started thinking about us. Christians, how this story of old about Abram can apply to us today in 2013. And the reality is, if you're going to be faithful in following God's vision for your life and following where he is going to lead, there are three things we can learn from Ben and Abram. First off, we have to be willing to follow God. We have to trust God. And more oftentimes than not, we're going to have to wait on God. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for today. And thank you for the opportunities we have to, to open up your word. And then I pray, Lord, that today you will show us uh, what you would have us do. You will show us your vision for us in, your, in our lives. I pray that you will uh, strike in us, in our hearts, something deep that will, we will yearn to follow you. That we will trust you. And that we will wait on you. And I pray that what we do here is honoring to you today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at Genesis starting in chapter 12. And we're just going to kind of go through chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We're going to stop somewhere around 17, I think. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. And as you do that, I want you to think about this. In that context of faith, uh, Philip Yancey said, Faith means trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Trusting in advance what will only make sense in reverse. In other words, a lot of times we're not going to understand what we just did until we get to the end of it and look back and go, oh, now I get it. All right. That's what makes faith kind of tricky for us. If we're going to seek out God's vision for our lives, 
We must be willing to follow God. And that's what we're going to start out with Abram is in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, uh, as God is calling him. And the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, first off, did you hear that last part? How old was Abram? 75. All right. How old are you? Just kidding. (laughs) When it comes to following God, age doesn't matter. That's the point I want to make right there in the middle. All right. It doesn't matter. He was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He didn't have a map. He didn't have a GPS. He really didn't have any idea where he was going because God said, I will show you. But he knew God was leading him there. And that was all he needed. We're going to continue on. Verse five. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. First off, verses one through two tell us that God tells Abram how he's going to bless him. And what we need to really understand here is if God blesses us, we don't really need to think about whether that blessing has further purpose. Because being blessed by God is a real simple process. We are blessed to bless. Okay? So kind of keep that. It goes like this. If you've been blessed with gifts and talents, bless others with them. Uh, if you've been blessed with intelligence and skills, bless others with them. If you've been blessed with rugged, good looks and a beautiful speaking voice, bless <laughs> what? Okay. Okay, fine. If you've been blessed with money, bless others there. I put that. Yeah, I went there. Yeah. Laugh at me. Um, all right. <laughs> Seriously though, if, if you've been blessed, bless Bless others. Bless God back. Think about how God has blessed you. And I want everybody to do this real quick. There's, there's places in your bulletin to write this down other than notes about the preacher looks funny. So if you, I want you to think about real quickly. Think about how you've been blessed just in the last week. You don't have to do that your whole life because that would take a long time. But just in like the last week or so and jot down a few ways that you've been blessed and then quickly write down a few ways that you can bless someone else in the coming week. So you guys can go ahead and do that. But I want you to understand something. When it comes to being blessed, nothing amazes me more than why God would choose to bless us. Okay? Because and I know who I am, and you know who you are. And when you really get down to it, I often have to wonder, God, why would you want to bless me? Because sometimes I'm not that good, and neither are you. And that's why we get along so well. All right? But that's the whole thing. Just think about how God has blessed you, and think about this week how you can bless someone else. And as that comes to you while I'm preaching, go ahead and write that down. Um, Moving on in verse two, think about this. Also, Abraham is one man and he is one man who is blessed among all the people on the earth at that time. And that just kind of let that settle in on you because because here in verse two, you have God saying to just one man, I will make you into a great nation. He doesn't say to Abram, hey, call all your family over because I, I have this blessing for your whole family. 
It's just God and Abram. And he says to him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I was reading some of the background on this. And one of the reasons that I think God came and and spoke this with Abram is because of that whole time frame where they were living. There was a lot of monotheism going on, a lot of worship of other gods. The Bible says Abram didn't do it. All right. Abram didn't worship other gods. And so God blessed him and God called him. And here's the thing. If you're going to be faithful, you have to be willing to follow God. Abram followed God out of his hometown, the place where he grew up. A really kind of a nice city at that time, if you will. Um, he, he takes him out of his hometown and into Canaan. But that wasn't all. He follows God and he's blessed by God. But he didn't always trust God like he should. Oh, my he didn't trust God. How this one man who didn't worship all these other gods didn't trust the God? How can that be? Well, before we get into that, we have to look at ourselves for just a minute. We're going to do a quick this little interaction, audience participation here. All right, who in this room will follow God? Raise your hand. I'm counting. All right, we'll move on from that one. Actually, just right now, if you will, stand up if you will follow God. I have to point out the two guys in the sound booth aren't standing. (laughs) Stay seated. I know you're good. I just want to point that out. Um, (laughs) If you'll follow God anywhere, stay standing. Good. Hold on. Before we start getting too too judgmental, it's a trick quiz. (laughs) Now stay standing if you will trust God every step of the way. Me too. We like to say we will. Y'all can go ahead and sit down. I won't call you out being liars. Um, We have the intention of trusting God every step of the way. But the reality is we don't. Because we come to that point, and I don't want to really belabor this, but we get to that point in life where we don't trust him for a moment. It happens, we see it all through Scripture, all the way in the New Testament. We're walking on water, we're walking on water, we see the wind, up, we're down. It happens. We have good intentions. I will follow you, God. I will. Will you trust me? Yeah. (laughs) Most of the time. But if we're really honest, we're like Abram. We get to some places where we didn't trust God the way we should. Listen, following is easy. Trusting is hard. Most of us don't trust what we see right in front of us on a day-to-day basis. Well, they can't put it on the internet if it's not true. (laughs) It can't be on the news if it's not true and good for me. Listen, we don't always trust what we see, let alone what we don't see. And I get it. It's not easy to trust God. Following is easy. Trusting is hard. Abram followed God, but he didn't always trust him. He didn't always trust God to protect him. He didn't always trust God to provide for him. I want to look at what happened when they had to go to Egypt for a little while. Remember, now the goal here is not to make fun of Abram, okay, for having a a lack of faith or for not trusting God. The goal is we will learn to see things through God's vision, not our own. And that's exactly what happened in Abram's life. He had these moments, and yet at the end of it, the Bible still says that he was a friend of God, okay? So there's hope for people like us, all right? 
Abram in Egypt, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live for a while because there was famine, excuse me, because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Guys, take notes. I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians, you can stop taking notes right there because it heads south, okay? When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will, then they will kill me, but will let you live. Already, he's forgetting that God has promised him descendants. And since he doesn't have them yet, he should know that he will get through this, but he forgot. He's following, but he forgot to trust. He says to her, say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now, let me pause for just a moment right there and share with you a thought from Beth Moore. When she was writing about Sarai, Abram's wife, she says this. A rare woman wants to be a wanderer. We prefer purses to backpacks, porcelain and glass cups to styrofoam. We don't have to have a fancy home, but a wise husband knows to find us a place we can call our own. She says, by gender, we are nesters and not adventurers. That's Beth Moore. Picture this conversation. But Abram, did God actually tell you to take me, your wife, with you? He, he didn't have to say it, dear. We, we go together. What if I stay here until we sell the house? The market should improve, let's say, in the next year or two. You go ahead. I'll meet up with you in that land that God is leading you to. It didn't go that way. And basically, Abram said, get your purse. And she said, the beaded one or the pink one? And he said, whichever one you want to travel with, the rest are going to be packed. How many miles do you think Abram traveled next to a cold shoulder? They were set. They had a nice community. It was a busy city. They had finances. They had what they needed. They, they traveled with, with a whole lot of people. When you get into the, to Genesis and it talks about all the things they took with them and all the people that were part of their clan, they weren't hurting, so to speak. And so he says to his wife, we're going to go where God's leading us. Where exactly is that? I'm not sure. He said, Canaan, how do we get there? I'm not sure. He's going to lead us. I'm telling you, there was a cold shoulder on that trip for sure. So then they get to the promised land and there's a famine. <laughs> you guys know you've done this. You're driving, you're driving, and then you take a wrong turn. And not only did you take a wrong turn, but you won't ask for directions. Not only you're not asking for directions, but now you're about to run out of gas. Okay? You know how this works out. There's famine. All right, so, so they get to this promised land, there's famine. Then they had to go to Egypt. So he's taken her from what she knows, what she's comfortable with, what she loves, and they've traveled slowly because there's a bunch of them, and they didn't have cars and two men in a truck and all that. And so they're traveling. And then they get there. <laughs> And there's famine. So whatever the process is, I don't know how long that is, but they end up going on down to Egypt. And then as they get to Egypt, he says to her, you're beautiful. Protect me. <laughs> Protect me. Tell them, tell them you're not my wife. Tell them you're my sister. I wonder if she thought for just a moment, you keep this up. I'll let them have you. <laughs> Taking me out. Verse 14, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants and camels. 
But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Okay, quick recap. Abram is blessed by God. He goes, takes his family to the promised land of his blessing, and there's a famine. They go to Egypt. He asks for his wife's protection rather than God's. See, he forgot to trust on God. She submits to his crazy wish, and they're doing okay through the famine, except they aren't together. You see, God told Abram he was going to bless him. He needs his wife for part of that blessing. How are you going to have descendants, Abram, that outnumber anything if you're separated from your wife? So God steps in to realign his plan for the blessing of Abram, and he causes disease, and then they're asked to leave Egypt. All right, so he, he stopped, he followed, but he stopped trusting for a little while. We all want to be blessed by God, but then we forget that he blessed us. And then we try to use our own wisdom and our own vision, and, and we forget that he's going to provide for us during feast and during famine. And that's what happened with Abram. And you know, sometimes, though, the hardest thing is not following and not even trusting, but sometimes the waiting, waiting on God. I don't know where you are in waiting. I don't know what you're waiting for, uh, a, a job referral or a baby or, or a, clear, a clear note of health on a disease. I don't know what you're waiting for, but I can tell you I understand that waiting is hard. And it's really hard sometimes to wait on God for his timing and his plan to be revealed to us. But here's the thing. When you're waiting on God, it doesn't mean that you don't move at all. Waiting on God doesn't mean that you just sit there and don't do anything. It means that you move forward with things like prayer and with him at the helm, so to speak. You see, God promised Abram that he would be the father of many descendants. Look at Genesis 15 and we're going to look at chapters 15 and 16 now. And he reiterates this covenant after this being after coming out of Egypt. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Verse four, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He's reminding him, I still have a plan in all this. You still have some things to learn. So we're going to jump forward to chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with her and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. Still trying to wrap my head around that one. (laughs) But I kind of get it. I, 
She wants to put the blame on him. But then she says, I put my servant girl in your arms and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Abram is clearly a man of wisdom. He says, your servant is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Except then Sarai mistreated her. So she fled. As she's in the desert, God saves her and he speaks to her. In verse 15, she bears Abram the son and Abram gave him the name Ishmael, the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Verse 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between you and you will greatly increase your numbers. So. Thirteen years later, Ishmael is now about 13 years old, and God says to to Abram, come walk with me. We're going to talk this out. I still have a plan. I'm going to bring you back around. I need you to, to follow me. I need you to trust me. I need you to wait on me. I still have a plan here. Chapter 18. I told you we were going all the way through Genesis. You thought I was kidding. Chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abram near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abram looked up and saw the three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let me get something. um, Excuse me. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abram hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quickly, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it into bake and bake some bread. That doesn't happen quickly, by the way. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said to him, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and, and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she did what we all do when we're afraid. She lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And here's the thing that amazes me in all that. Even when being laughed at, God still honors his covenant with Abram. Even when being laughed at. Even when he wasn't being followed 100%, he came and realigned. Even when he wasn't being trusted 100%, he brought back peace to Abram's house. He he unified Abram and his wife again so that his plan could continue. And even when he was being laughed at, God still honored his covenant with Abram. I, I point out all these things to show you That if we wait on God, we'll see that his plans are perfect. Now, again, waiting on God is not a plan for idleness or to to be lazy and do nothing. Well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just waiting around for God to bless me with the lottery. (laughs) 
hold, holding out for that job position. Did you fill out your resume? No, no, but I've been praying about it. God's going to bless me. Right? It still causes us to have some action. You remember Ben from my opening story? He had to be willing to follow direction. He had to be willing to trust. He had to, he had to wait. He didn't have a choice in how he waited. And the same thing with Abraham's life. He had to be willing to follow God. He had to trust God. He had to wait on God. So I want you to remember this. You may be willing to follow God. And you may be even prepared to trust God. But while you're waiting for God to do in your life what he's promised, you need to be praying. You need to be reading his word. You need to be looking for his will in your life and for his vision not your own or someone else's. One of my most daring prayers is when I ask God, what would you have me do? I've learned not to pray that very often. But when I'm ready to listen, he shows me. And it usually scares me at first, to be honest with you. But I move forward with whatever it is. And people don't always understand that. It's okay. A few years back, I sold my motorcycle to get supplies to send to Haiti after the earthquake. A lot of people didn't understand that. Um, I've been to Haiti a few times, and my heart just went out to my brother and sisters over in Haiti. Uh, of everything, they, they lost that which they really didn't have to begin with. And they, didn't, they lost their tanks that held water. They lost a lot of things that were just simple, life-sustaining things for them. And, uh, and I prayed that. God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do that can help those, those folks? And he answered me, he said, sell Veronica. In case you're wondering, that was my motorcycle. <laughs> I said, okay, but who's going to buy her? He said, Kevin. In case you're wondering, Kevin's a buddy of mine I grew up with. So I called Kevin. I said, hey, you're going to buy Veronica. He says, uh, okay. I said, then I told him how much I wanted for it. He said, wait a minute. That's more than you paid for. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I said, here's what I'm doing. I told him I had this plan to, to purchase some new water tanks and I had the availability to send them over and, and I kind of laid it all out for him. And he said, all right, sounds good. I'm going to have to make a couple of payments. So he sent me a few payments. I sent things to Haiti. He got the bike. People in Haiti got things. And I got visitation rights. So it was a win-win <laughs> situation. He only lives in Georgia. And it all played out relatively easy in the world of God, what would you have me do? And he responded and I followed, and I didn't really look back. And I realized, and I will admit to you, it's not always that easy to follow God and to trust God and to wait on God. But when you do, most of the people in your life are not going to understand. I had, I had good Christian people going, you sold your motorcycle? Why'd you do that for? Hey, it's just a motorcycle. I can get another one on eBay. <laughs> you know, when Mitzi says I can. But... <laughs> You know, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> and here's the thing. I'm not sure where you are on your journey with God, but I want you to know he's right there with you. Even when you make mistakes, even when we make poor decisions, even when we laugh at God, he will continue to keep his covenant with us. And I'm not sure how you're going to respond to his word today. And maybe your response will be to follow him. And if, that, if, if that's it, the baptistry is ready. Come on up. Maybe in order for you to follow God, you just need to leave some baggage and the extra carry-on right here. 
so that you can move forward in life. The elders are here. They'll pray with you, offer you wisdom. Whatever your response to God's word, I pray that we've all learned something from this story of old and that we will all follow him, trust him, and wait on him. Will you stand and sing with us? And if you have a response, let it happen.